just leave a legacy, live a legacy. Here's the thing. If we're going to live a legacy, then we need to actually live and not just exist. And so many people are just existing. We need to have a passion for life. We need to have a zeal for life. An enthusiasm about what God is doing in and through us. We need to have that enthusiasm. In Colossians chapter 3 and verse 23 it says, Whatever you do, work at it with all of your heart as serving the Lord and not serving human masters. As working for the Lord and not working for human masters. In the NIV, they use the word heart. In other translations, it's the word heartily. Heartily. The word heartily literally means, so, so start right now. Turn your brains on. This is, from a, from a theological standpoint, this is transformational. Okay, Heartily means from the soul. It means from the soul, to live that way from the soul. We need to live with passion. We need to live with zeal from the soul. You say, well, what is soul? What does soul actually mean? Soul means life. It means every aspect of the human life, physical, emotional, spiritual. When you say the soul, you're talking about all the experiences of the human life. Paul saying we need to pour everything that we are. Listen to my words here. Everything that we are, everything that we have, everything that we do, we need to pour that into serving Christ. We need to live with zeal. We need to be zealous about it. Our goal is to try to be more like God, right? That's our goal. That's what a Christian would say. Yeah, my goal at the end of my life is to be more like God. Well, if that's the case, we need to understand that God says he's zealous. God is a passionate and zealous God. Several times in the Old Testament we read, the zeal of the Lord will accomplish this. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Over and over, it talks about the zeal of the Lord. Jesus is described as zealous. He's zealous. In Isaiah 59, 17, it prophesies about him. For he will put on righteousness as a breastplate and a helmet of salvation upon his head. And he will put on the garments of vengeance for clothing and was clad with a zeal as a cloak. Zeal as a cloak. If our goal is to conform to the image of Jesus Christ, and that should be our goal, every single person in this room, say, what is your goal? What is your purpose in life? It's to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. If our goal is to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ, if our goal is to not just try to leave a legacy, but actually live a legacy, we need to have a zeal for the things of God. We need to have this zeal, this passion for the things of God. You know, honestly, we are passionate about a whole lot of things as people, right? We're passionate about relationships. Relationships with family members, relationships with friends, relationships with a girlfriend or a boyfriend or whatever the case. We're passionate about our relationships. We're passionate about our job, our desire to succeed. We're passionate about that. We're passionate about our hobbies. We're passionate about our sports. It's Super Bowl Sunday, right? Can't wait to get home. 
Some people don't even come to church on Super Bowl Sunday. They think it's like some kind of like vacation from church because they're setting up, because they're passionate about it. They've been waiting. People don't even like football get excited about the Super Bowl, right? We're passionate about eating and hanging out with other people. They don't care. I mean, how many times have you watched the Super Bowl and actually not watched it? Raise your hand. Exactly. Right. We are just passionate about certain things. And we always have enough. We always have enough time and money. Right. And energy for the things that we're passionate about. We do. Well, you, you, you know, oh, I don't have enough money for that. But you have enough money for the things you're passionate about. You have enough money for the things that just mm, charge you up. The real question is, are we passionate about the things that really matter? Remember I said last week, I was just joking around a little bit. wasn't really joking. Paul said that, you know, these are the things that we should care about. Only what's done for Christ matters. And I said, everything else is a, is a heap of dung. That's what Paul says, right? Just a pile of, of, of poop, basically, is what he's saying. Are we passionate about the things that really matter? Because the rest of it is just dung. If we're not, and you can, you can be passionate about sports and you can be passionate about your career and you can be passionate about all these different things and hobbies as long as Christ is every part of it. You're doing it to the glory of God and you can do everything to the glory of God. Let's come in, just think about that. It says, whatever you choose to do, do with all of your heart as working and serving the Lord. Not serving human masters or not serving men or not serving people. Whatever you do, it says, whatever, everything you do, do it to the glory of God. So you don't have to cut things out. You just need to make sure that what you're doing, you're doing it all to the glory of God. We are, we should, we, we need to be passionate about Christ. Are we passionate about Christ? Are we zealous for the things of God? Here's the, we talk about living a legacy or leaving a legacy. And this is what I want, I want so badly to get across during this series. We need to live with so much passion and so much zeal that we dare our children to do better. We dare our children to follow after us. We need to live in such a way that, that our whole lives, I remember when Kim and Jen, my daughters, went to college, and each went to college, and I told them, you know, there are certain things that you want to take with you that we taught you, know, certain things you're going to want to leave behind. We didn't do a really great job of that kind of thing. And I talked to them about that and how important, and what they said to me was, you know, Dad, I got to be honest with you, it, it wasn't as much what you said, what you and Mom said, as how you lived. That's what mattered. That's what really drove us. Not just what the words that came out of your mouth, but how you lived your life. We need to live with so much zeal, with so much passion for God, that we dare, we dare our children to keep up with us. Our goal should be that our children outdo us in everything, right? You want your kids to be better than you. You want your kids to be smarter than you. You want your kids to be wiser than you. You want them to be more effective at their job than you were at your job. You want so much more for them. This is what you should want spiritually for them as well. Live your life in such a way that you dare them to try to keep up with you. That's what we should all be striving to do. Now, some of you are thinking to yourselves, I, I, I used to have that kind of zeal. Guys up there, look at that passage up there, all worked up about it. I used to have that kind, kind of zeal, but somewhere along the line, somewhere as I got down the road, I lost it. So the question is, 
for some of us this morning, for all of us, how do we how do we have that zeal? How do we have that passion? But for some of us, how do we recapture our zeal or our passion for Christ? So as we continue this morning, I want to share I want to share three ways that we can live with passion and zeal for God. Three ways to live with passion and zeal for God. Number one, we need to draw on the power of God. We need to draw on the power of God. This is not going to work unless we draw on the power of God. Zeal comes from zeal for God. Zeal comes from inside, from from the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. The living Christ, it's like his, his, the blood, his blood covers us, right? We all know that if you've been around church long enough, you know, that's so when Christ died, his blood covers us and then we're freed from our sin and all that kind of thing. But here's the reality. His blood flows through our veins as well. That's where the zeal comes from, from the power of the risen Christ in us. The zeal comes from the power and presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. It comes from the presence of the Spirit. And we need to keep that flowing. We need, we, we, what, what we're talking about here is keeping yourself constantly filled. Constantly filled. Not just when you come to church on Sunday, but throughout the week you're constantly praying that the Holy Spirit would give you the strength, would give you the encouragement, would give you what you need when you walk into work and you want to have the courage to talk to that person about Christ or you want to say to that other person, hey, I'll pray for you or whatever it is, you need to be constantly being filled with the Spirit of God, asking for His presence in your life in a more powerful way every single day. And you say, well, how do you do that? You yield, you yield moment by moment to the leading of the spirit moment by moment not day to day not week to week moment by moment you yield moment by moment to the power of the holy spirit you're constantly asking god to work through you you're constantly expecting god to do something miraculous through you you're constantly doing that paul challenges us in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 18, it says, Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Right? Be filled with the Spirit. When your life is difficult, when you're having a hard time, when you're feeling overwhelmed, you want to be filled with this. Let me ask you a question. I want you to, I want you to finish the sentence. Man, I had the worst week. I've had the most difficult day. I need... Think about it. Man, I, oh, this day was over. I need a, what? A lot of people would say, I need a drink. <laughs> right? I need a, where, where is that? I need a drink. Instead, we should be saying, I need the power of the Spirit in my life. I, this isn't going to help me. Okay? It may numb me a little bit, but it's not going to solve anything. He says, be filled with the Spirit. Don't be filled with anything else. Don't worry about anything else. That's not going to solve the issue. That's not going to solve the problem. He says, be filled with the Spirit. Ask the Spirit of God moment by moment to work through those things. See, now, at this point, some of you, I say, be filled with the Spirit. Some people begin to fade. Their minds begin to wander. They're like, yeah, 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 you know, be filled with the Spirit. It's like Christian jargon, right? You read your Bible, pray, be filled with the Spirit. And people just kind of shut off in church. They really do. Oh, it's an be filled with the Spirit. What the heck does that mean? I'm going to tell you what the heck that means in a second. But you're thinking, ah, be filled with the Spirit. Ah, big deal. 
I want you to, I want to just for a moment, I want to try to recapture you. Listen for a moment and see if I can recapture your attention. Because when I say be filled with the Spirit, okay, the Spirit of the Lord coming upon you, when I say that, it's way beyond what you actually think, okay? It's not just words. Those, those are not just words for people who are truly seeking after God. See, the thing is, some of you are, you started off all wrong. Okay, you're in a church or you grew up in a home where it just was Christianity or it was a religion. It was just a part of something you did. And you watch, you know, your parents go to church and then they come home and, you know, they weren't living it out. And so you realize it was just a religion. But then, you know, it keeps your kids out of trouble. Um, you know, it's, you got good friends, you know, it's not, it's, it, so you keep going. And then, then, so you get that in your mindset. So you hear, read the Bible, you know, pray to God, uh, be filled with the spirit, all those things. But let me explain to you, let me, let me, I, I want to just recapture your attention by explaining to you. Let me, let me share a few examples of what happens, what actually happens to a person when, when the, when the Lord comes upon them. What happens when the Lord comes upon a person? When we actually throw aside our religion, okay, and start living out our faith. Because that's what it's all about. People lack faith. They get religious, but when it comes to faith, they don't understand faith. And this is what happens when the Spirit of the Lord comes upon people. They overcome their enemies. They overcome the challenges of life. Let me give you a few examples. In Judges chapter 3, verse 10... It says, the spirit of the Lord came upon Othniel, and he defeated the king of Mesopotamia. Othniel was the younger brother of Caleb. Okay, we all know about Caleb, right? Caleb was that justice. Joshua and Caleb going into the promised land. Caleb was a tough guy. Okay, Caleb's not afraid of just about anything. So this is Caleb's younger brother. And the spirit of the Lord came upon him and he defeated the king of Mesopotamia. Overwhelming odds, but he defeated him. And then in Judges chapter 14, verses 5 and 6, it says, The spirit of the Lord, Lord came over Samson. I want to, I want to read you this right from, right from here in, in the NIV. It says this, Samson went down to Timnah together with his father and mother. As they approached the vineyards of Timnah, suddenly... A young lion came roaring toward him. So a young lion came roaring toward him. Then this is what it says. It says, the spirit of the Lord came upon him in power so that he tore the lion apart with his bare hands as he might have torn a young goat. So there he is, a lion, a young lion comes roaring towards Samson and the spirit of the living God comes upon him. And when that lion attacks, he tears the lion apart with his bare hands as he might have torn apart a young goat. When the spirit of the Lord comes upon people in power, miraculous things happen. They happen. Listen to this in second, first Chronicles 11. 22 and 23, it tells us Benaiah, son of Joadah, a valiant fighter from Kabzeel, performed great exploits. He struck down Moab's two mightiest warriors. He also went down into a pit on a snowy day, not on a nice day, not out in the open, on a snowy day, and he killed a lion. And he struck down an Egyptian who was five cubits tall at seven and a half feet tall. Although the Egyptian had a spear like a weaver's rod in his hand, Benaiah went against him with a club. He snatched the spear from the Egyptian's hand and killed him with his own spear. 
Look at these guys. They are taking on giants. They're taking on giants. They're taking on lions. Every single one of you have lions in your life. Every single one of you have giants in your lives. And they are kicking your rear end, a lot of you. You cower from them. Why? Because the Spirit of God, we are not moment by moment asking the Spirit of God to give us power. When the Spirit of God gives us power, who can stand against us? I cannot read those passages without thinking about 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8. It says, be alert and be sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Let me explain to you who the devil doesn't devour. He doesn't devour those who are filled with the spirit of the living God. Those who have the power of God on their lives. Because it's no contest. When you understand that you have access to the greatest power in the universe and you have access through Christ, it changes everything. But we walk around like somehow we're the victims. Like we've been defeated because someone did something to you or you in your past. You're just, you, you give up. You, you're existing. I said in the beginning, if we're going to live a legacy, we can't just exist. We need to actually live with passion and boldness and zeal. But that's not how we're living sometimes. We get beaten. We get slapped around. We get knocked down. And we just stay there and hope it all goes away. If we just keep a low profile, if I just can just survive life, just survive. I don't want to survive life. I want to live my life. And I want to overcome what has been thrown at me, whatever it is, whatever your background may be, whatever has happened to you in your life. You have the power of the resurrection Christ living in you. And it's so sad that you walk around being religious. Religious, instead of having a relationship with the living God who can give you the power to overcome it. And no one wants to talk about it anymore. Just want to tell you what you want to hear, make you feel good, and then you can leave. That's not what the Bible talks about. That's not what the Bible is talking about. I want you to listen to this. I want you to get your pens out. There's pens in the front, uh, in the seat in front of you. You get your phones out. I don't care where you write this down, but I want you to write this down. First Samuel 10.6. I want you to write it down. Tattoo it somewhere on your body. I don't care. Write it somewhere on your body. Okay? But I want you to listen to this. The spirit, because it is what we do. Oh, yeah, that was Benai, or that was Samson, or that was whoever, and blah, blah, blah. And those are characters in the Bible. And it happened back then. It couldn't happen to me. Wait a second. First Samuel 10, 6. And the spirit of the Lord will come upon you. Let me read that again. And the spirit of the Lord will come upon you. And you shall prophesy with them and shall be turned into another man. You shall be turned into another person. I didn't want to take this out of context. So I spent a lot of time studying it to make sure that what I was reading and what I was hearing and what I was feeling was true. And it is true. It is true. Let me read you the second part in chapter and verse seven. So first Samuel 10, six and the spirit of the Lord will come upon you. And you shall prophesy with them and shall be turned into another person, another man. Then it says in verse seven, once these signs are fulfilled, do whatever your hands find to do for your for God is with you. 
Once you, once you grasp this, once you hold, then do what your hands, do what you feel called of God to do. Do what God is calling you to do because God is with you. This is a remarkable statement. This is a, a remarkable expression, if you will. And it's found nowhere else in the Bible except right here. But see, Christians don't read their Bibles much anymore, so they miss this kind of thing. This is what it says right there. And the Spirit of the Lord will come upon you. And you should be turned into another person. This is remarkable. It describes the change in mental power and energy that results from an influx of the Spirit of the Lord on a person. Now, you, you must grasp this. This is spiritual truth. Okay? This is spiritual truth. You become a new creation. You're literally a different person. This is exactly what it's saying. You are literally another person. When the Spirit of the Lord, the Spirit of God takes over someone, they are no longer controlled by the things of this world. They're no longer controlled by those things. That's what it's saying. They're a different person. The, the, events, the, uh, the events that happened in your life, the thoughts that you have that once controlled you can no longer control you when the Spirit of the Lord comes upon you. When moment by moment you're asking for God's power in your life. You have been robbed for years. You have been robbed for years of your power. While people preach mediocrity in your life, while they, while they teach you mediocrity and just pieces of it and, and give you wimpy, wimpy scriptures and kind of get along to go, get, go along to get along kind of Christianity. And you've been robbed of your birthright. You've been robbed of the power of the cross of Jesus Christ. You've been robbed of the power of the Spirit because we walk around living like somehow we're some kind of victims when we have victory in Jesus Christ. And you say, well, that's not the kind of person I am. That doesn't matter. You're literally changed into a different person. This series is called Hallmark. Don't just leave a legacy, live a legacy. And I know when I say the word Hallmark, some of you are big Hallmark fans. You think of the Hallmark channel, right? Right? But that's not what, we, what it means here but in, in our series. But yeah, Hallmark. And you think of 25 days of Christmas. And I've been trying to avoid that for all this whole series. Haven't even mentioned it, have I? Haven't said a word. Well, actually, I want you to think about that right now. I want you, I want you to think about that. There's a theme in most Hallmark movies. Okay, There's a theme that I think we can all really learn from. What's important? The theme of what is important, what really matters. There's a consistent theme that runs through all the different movies. There's a theme of a person who leaves the big city, right? They all leave the big city to go back to their hometown. And what do they find out? Through that experience and going back to their hometown, their small town, they find out what really, truly is important. Love and relationships. Love and and relationships. That is so true. That is so true. Biblically, what matters most is who you are, not what you do. It's who you are internally, the hallmark of your life. The hallmark means distinguishing characteristic or trait. 
What is the distinguishing characteristic or trait of your life? That's what it means. It doesn't matter what you do. It matters who you are. That's how you live a legacy. That's how you leave a legacy. If you succeed, think about this. If you succeed in every area of your career, but you lose your family, what what have you achieved? I want you to listen to this quote. Because the more I read it, the more I was intrigued by what she said. Helen Hayes is a famous Broadway star. She said, my mother drew a distinction between achievement and success. She said that achievement is the knowledge that you have studied and worked hard and done the best that is in you. Success is being praised by others. And that's nice too, but not as important or satisfying. Always aim for achievement Forget about success. Achievement is about inside, who you are inside. Success is everybody else telling you how awesome you are. She said, go for achievement, not success. I get her point. I really do. I get her point. We need to allow the Holy Spirit. We need to allow the Holy Spirit to change, literally change our way of thinking. We need to be less concerned about what everyone else thinks and more concerned about what God thinks. Hear me, I'm going to say this once again. We need to live to an audience of one. We need to live our lives for God only and not what everybody else thinks or what everybody else says. We are consumed by what everyone else thinks and says. We're consumed of being accepted by the world. And in the process, we miss we miss it, man. We miss it. We miss what it means to be filled with the Spirit of God, to live our lives for Jesus Christ, and how that can change everything. How we can do miraculous things in our marriages. How we can do miraculous things in our work life. How we can do miraculous things in every single area of our life. How it can help you overcome the struggles that you've faced since you were younger because of the abuse that you've been through. How it can help you overcome struggles in your life that you've been through and you pretty much accepted that's the way it's going to be. But what does First Samuel 10.6 say? No, you are changed into a different person. And the cool thing about all that is that can happen because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross. That can happen day by day by day. When I gave my life to Christ, and I've struggled with so long why this doesn't happen throughout everybody else's life. But when I gave my life to Christ, when I raised my head from praying a prayer and receiving Christ into my life, my whole philosophy of life changed. Everything to me made sense. I was a different human being. You can ask anyone who knew me growing up, any of the friends. I am still friends with people I've known since I was in like sixth grade back in New York, okay, in the apartment com, that one-bedroom apartment with my mom, and the person I was then, and the person I was right afterward, and the person I've become, a different person. Why? Because the Spirit of God has come upon me and changed my life completely. Completely it has nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with Him. When the power of the Holy Spirit consumes us, the life we once lived is gone you hear me when the power of the holy spirit consumes us the life that we once lived is gone he turns us into a different person i want you to say this out loud i am a different person okay i want you to say i am another person stand up for a second
You need air in your lungs. You can't get air in your lungs right there, okay? Okay? You say this with me. I am another person. One more time. I am another person. Now you can see it. See, now we heard it. Okay. I am another person. That's exactly what's happening here. I'm another person. Get it? Good. Okay. I am another person. I am not stuck with who I was. I am not stuck with who I am. The person you see right here today, okay, when you see me a month from now, when you see me five years from now, I'm going to be a different human being. You're going to say in five years, you know, I really appreciated what he had to say five years ago. But wow, I hope that you can say this. Wow, the depth of insight that he shares now. The things that he shares now, the experience that he shares now, the things that he talks, man, it's totally different. Why? Because I am a different person. I am a different person. I am a different person. I hope to be a better husband in five years than I am now. Uh, in, in five months, in five weeks, I hope to be a better father. I hope to be a better grandfather. I hope to be all those things more than I am now. I will become even stronger through the power of the Holy Spirit because I become a Another person. When you ask Christ into your life, you became another person. The problem is, the problem is we, we read about this, but we don't believe it. The Bible says the old has gone, the new has come. The, the old has gone, the new has come. When you gave your life to Christ, you became a different person. The problem is, for some of you, you don't realize it. You don't realize it. You've been limping along, going along, hobbling along, living in spiritual mediocrity, living in some spiritual fuzz, fuzzy world of gray, right? Everything's gray. Everything's up for grabs. That's what we're li- we live in when the reality is we, we, are, we have become a new person. The old has gone. The new has come. When you gave your life to Christ, you became a different person. That's what happens when the spirit of the living God comes upon a person. They change. They change. You are, you are all changed if you've given your lives to Christ. Some of you just don't realize it. It kills me. I don't, I don't, I'm not up here like preaching at you. I'm preaching to you. I love you. I, I thought about it all week. How do, I get a, how do I get across concepts that are so overwhelming to the human mind that people don't grasp them? How? Through the power of the Holy Spirit. You're being robbed and you don't even know it. Your birthright is being snatched from you and you're letting it be taken. We, we have so much more. If our faith is real... If our faith is real, then we have the power to reshape our thinking. Hear me? If our faith is real, we have the power to reshape our thinking. We have the power to reshape our habits. We have the power to reshape our, our perspectives, how we think about life. We have the power to reshape our priorities. We have the power to overcome our fears. We have the power to forgive beyond what we thought was ever possible how we could ever forgive that person. That's just, you, you, before you walked into this room this morning, you thought that was impossible. And I'm telling you, you are a different person. The old has gone, the new has come. 
and you have the power of the resurrected Christ that enables you to forgive some of the worst perpetrators of your life. And sometimes not just for them. You're not doing it for them. You're doing it for yourself to free yourself. To be to free yourself to think clearly, to free yourself to live, to live freely See, that's what happens. That's what it means to have zeal. My thoughts, my actions, my goals, my desires are changed. They're changed. And here's the great thing. Once, you're, once you realize, once you grasp this, you, 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 you want more. You want more. You begin to, you begin to want, you begin, forget want. You begin, you begin to expect a faith that can move mountains. You expect it. The disciples, I tell you this all the time, you should come to church expecting something miraculous to happen. We walk in expecting to hear a good talk and some music sometimes, and that was nice, yay, right? And we leave. We don't expect the miraculous to happen. That's the problem. That's the problem. We got to expect when you start to live this out, you expect the miraculous to take place. You expect it in your life. You expect it. You expect that God is going to restore relationships. That's what you expect. That he's going to move any obstacles standing in the way of you living out your legacy. That was number one. Number two, if you want to live with passion, we need to ask God to to, to reignite, if you will, to reignite our fire. Some of you, your fire has burned out, if you will. Over the years, your fires dwindle. You got a little teeny candle thing going, but I'm talking about the fire that we were talking about this morning that needs to be reignited through the passion of and the power of Jesus Christ. You need to ask God. You need to ask God. Ask Him to reignite your fire. Spend time with God. It isn't a Christian kind of jargony thing. It is reality. Spend quality time, a lengthy time with God. Ask Him to help you. In 1 Thessalonians 5.17, it says, pray without ceasing. Pray constantly. Colossians 4.2 says, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. James chapter 5, verse 16 says, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful, powerful and effective. Go to the source of your power and boldly ask God to reignite your passion. And this morning I thought, let's just stop, okay, and let's do that. Let's just do that through this song. Allow this song as God speaks to your heart. He's spoken to so many of you right now. But let's, let's do that right now. Let's ask him to reignite the power in our lives. Let's... You may be seated. Last, third, we need to follow in the footsteps of passionate people. We need to follow in the footsteps of passionate people. Think about the people who are the greatest influence in your life and be like them. Follow in their footsteps. Follow their lead. The wrong people have surrounded you for most, some of you, for the most of your life, for most of your life. The wrong people. Maybe you're surrounding yourself with the wrong people. Maybe, seriously, you were born into a situation with the wrong people surrounding you for most of your life. That doesn't mean that you are destined to be like them. 
That doesn't mean that you're destined to be like them. So many people look at their genetics and they look at their environment and they say, well, my genetics and my environment, I don't know, what, what, how, how am I supposed to overcome that? Let me explain how you overcome that. Let me explain what dominates genetics and environment. The Holy Spirit of God je- dominates genetics and environment. You want to change your situation? Ask the Spirit of God to come into your life. Break that cycle right now through the power of the Spirit of God. You don't have to live out what the people around you have lived out. Carefully choose the people that you have in your life that will influence your life going forward. It doesn't matter how you start. It matters how you finish. It doesn't matter how you start. It matters how you finish. Put people around you who influence you in a positive way going forward. Proverbs twelve twenty six says the righteous choose their friends carefully. The righteous choose their friends carefully, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. Don't be hanging around. Don't follow those people who are passionate for God. Surround yourself. Be next to. Put yourself next to people who are passionate. Have a zeal for God. Follow people who are on fire for Jesus Christ. Fire spreads. Fire spreads. It seeks out other flammable objects. You ever started a fire? Whoever started a fire before? When you put, you'll start a little fire and you put one log on the fire right on top of it. What happens? Yeah, right, you know? Yeah. What happens when you add another log and another log and another log and you, you lay them all on top? What happens? That fire, what happens? That same fire begins to really catch, right? We, together we burn brighter. Together we burn hotter. Alone, by yourself, not so much. But together we burn hotter. We burn brighter. You need to surround yourself with people who are on fire, who, who will seek you out and light you on fire. We need to follow people who will challenge, challenge our faith, who have the guts to tell us that we're living in mediocrity, who have the guts to tell us that there's more to this, to our faith than just some religion that we go along with, that there's more to it, that drive us forward and that have the guts to walk through the fire with us. Those are the kind of people that we want around. We have a men's Bible study at 7 o'clock in the morning, Wednesday morning, 7 o'clock. We go over some of these things. You might want to join us over at the Orca Center down here. 7 o'clock, 7 a.m. every Wednesday morning. We have a men's Bible study and you can join us and we can help light each other on fire. Put yourself next to, you put yourself next to people who are passionate about God. Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen says, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Put yourself next to people who are going to sharpen you. Great leaders don't just tell you what to do. They show you how it's done, and then they challenge you to follow along with them. And that's what we need around us. We need to be next to dynamic people. Second Samuel 23, 8-12 says this. These are the names of David's mighty warriors. Joseph Basabeth, a Tekemenite, was the chief of the three. He raised his spear against 800 men whom he killed in one encounter. Next to him was Eleazar, son of Dodai, the Ahoite. 
as one of the three mighty warriors. He was with David when they taunted the Philistines gathered at Pastamim for battle. Then the Israelites retreated. But Eleazar stood his ground and struck down the Philistines to his hands, grew tired and froze to the sword. The Lord brought about a great victory that day. The troops returned to Eleazar, but only to strip the dead. Next to him was Shammah, son of Agi, the Hararite. When the Philistines banded together at a place where, where there was a field of, uh, full of lentils, Israel's troops fled from them. But Shammah stood his ground in the middle of the field. He, he defended it and struck down the Philistines. The Lord brought about a great victory that day as well. We need to have people next to us, next to us, next to us. We don't need people who only stand next to us to come back when it's all over and strip the dead. We want to stand next to people who fight the battle, who are on fire, who aren't afraid of, afraid of giants, who aren't afraid of lions, who aren't afraid of the enemy they're willing to stand up and defend themselves and defend you and defend the word of god and defend their relationship with jesus christ we need to be next to people with passion and zeal people who are on fire people who inspire us to be more than we are now people who will drive us out drive us out of our comfort zone who won't stand for you to stay in your comfort zone. People who want more from you than you sometimes want for yourself. Those are the kinds of people we're talking about. People who will not allow me, who will not allow me to live in mediocrity, who will not allow me to live out my excuses, but they challenge me to live out my faith. They challenge me to live out my purpose. We need to be around people next to people who will challenge us, who will demand of us that we are our spiritual best. That we are our spiritual best. People who inspire us to live with passion and zeal. That's what God wants from every single one of us. If you have been living a religious life, stop it. That is over. You are a different person you have been transformed the old has gone the new has come you are a joint heir with jesus christ you're a royal priesthood a holy nation a person belonging to god that is your spiritual heritage and let no one steal it from you let no one lie to you and tell you that all that this christianity is about bunch of rules and bunch of people hanging out singing some songs once in a while it's more than that. It's so much more than that. And we've only, and this morning, honestly, have only scratched the surface of the reality of what I'm talking about. I sometimes, I am not capable of sharing with you the depth of what God wants to say in your life or do in your life. This is just the starting place. This is just the starting place. Go out there, surround yourself with people, pray and ask God to relight your fire. Be the person that he designed and created you to be. That's your spiritual heritage that you need to pass on to the generations that come. Let's pray. God, thank you for this time that we can spend together. Father, thank you for being a God who cares about every detail of our lives and demands, commands 
that we live a life worthy of your son, Jesus Christ. God, that's hard. It's challenging. It's difficult. I pray that we would walk side by side with each other, that we would stand next to people who will sometimes have to carry us through the difficult times. But Lord, we're going to get there together. I pray that Satan would be bound from our lives. The lies that he has told us over all these years would be overwhelmed by the light of your son, Jesus Christ, and the truth of your word, that we would no longer be in bondage to anything, that fear would be eliminated from our lives, and that we would live according to your word, according to your truth. We are yours and no one else's. And you decide, you decide only who we are. May we live that way. May we live that way. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great week. Love you guys.